Hey everyone, thank you for tuning in today. Today's episode is brought to you by Bluefish Design in Scottsdale, Arizona. Bluefish Design is a full service marketing and ad agency. They can work with you on your website design, your branding, your logos, your rebranding, whatever it takes to take your company to the next level. They can work with you on all your interactive and digital media. Look them up online. This is going to be www.bluefish.com. That's B-L-U-F-I-S-H.com. And now for today's episode. Uh, John and I just got a chance to go to a great local distributor's wine tasting event. And more of it like a trade show. Uh, we got a chance to try some great beers, some great wines. So we decided to do this whole show around one of the wines we really enjoyed called Gorman Winery out of Columbia Valley and Red Mountain District in Washington. So we talk all about Gorman. We talk about the region. We talk all about wine stats, what's going on, and maybe a couple tips on how to sneak into a trade show in the future. Hope you enjoy. Thank you very much for tuning in. Check, check. Cool. Good. No, no, uh, no sport coat this time. No sport coat, just black shirts. Yeah, it's black shirt episode. Yeah. It's, it's a blackout episode. It's a blackout episode. I like it. I think I think that works out perfectly. Salt Lake City beer and it's official. It's officially we're drinking three port two percent. I will give it up Not though. Not really though. I was I was super excited because this was actually a type of hops I've never had. Honestly, today's trade show was fantastic and I was really excited about this beer more than I was the wine. The wines were all fantastic. I love small producer uh, portfolio tastings, but this beer, I'll leave a little extra in there for you. So it's fantastic. So many trade shows that happen around the nation often happen. By the way, cheers, fucker. Th- cheers, fucker. Good to see you. Yeah, how many trade shows happen all this time the of the year? All the uh, time. There was a big trade show in California see. today. I saw. Um, a bunch of people that I know were all at this one trade show um, from Epic Wine and Spirits in California. Mm. It's oh, that's good. that time of the year because everybody's rewriting their list. People are getting back from summer breaks. Kids are back to school. A lot of the states around the nation, they kind of go on vacation a little bit during the summer. People aren't sitting around July drinking wine all summer long. Is that just... Are we... Is that just an Arizona thing? No, though? Like it's a doing? national it's thing. National? It like, is. Right now is about that time? It's trade show season. I've... When my previous company, we were in the weeds, as you call it, in the restaurant business this time of the year. It's every year it's September. There's 30 days in September, and you have 90 trade shows you have to attend if you're handling the nation. Um, We would split time. I've done actual overnights. I've done red eyes where I had to, I finished a trade show in California, hopped on a plane at 11 o'clock at night, flew to the East Coast, got into my hotel at seven in the morning, slept for three hours, and went to a trade show and did another trade show that night. Dang. It's that time of the year, but it's because everyone's rewriting their lists. Everyone's getting ready for season. There's no distributor in the nation that's just kicking ass in July. People are at the beach. People are taking off. Like the Itali- the Itali- seltzer, seltzer demands the are Italians, through the roof. Yes. The, the Italians take the whole month off like <laughs> of August. So they're just getting back. Yeah. I saw actually a Twitter today, a Twitter post that says something like, my dad thought that... Uh, White Claws were Lacroix, and he's been drinking one every day on his way to work. <laughs> wow. <laughs> his days must be starting off fantastic. He's like, oh my God, this is the craziest coffee buzz I've ever had. Dude, Sarah put a few of those in our fridge. They were, uh, it's a caffeinated water. And I, I, I saw the, the box, and I immediately was like, oh, Sarah bought some weird seltzer shit. 
And it wasn't. It was like actually caffeinated water. There was no booze in it. So I drank it. And I was like, well, this is disappointing. And I was like, this it actually tastes terrible, by the way. I, I've actually never had White Claws. I don't ever plan on Dude, having White Claws. Dude, it's full on Seltzer War. It's, there's Pabst, Natty Ice, Four Loco, White Claw, Truly, and like 30 other brands that don't matter, but they're all making ludicrous amounts of money off. It's By the way, it's not seltzer water. There is literally none of them are seltzer water. It's just a malt beverage that's carbonated. That should will stunt your growth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Your liver takes a little bit bigger of a pounding. It's like having Tylenol versus Advil, probably. Brooke, I don't know why I don't have any hair and I shrunk four inches. It's like, you're <laughs> drinking some shitty booze. Develop some alopecia from drinking <laughs> uh, some truly. Totally. We should start that rumor. Hashtag seltzer water removes all your hair. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, hard seltzer stunts your growth. <laughs> <laughs> it's the worst anti vaxxer thing ever. <laughs> My God. So, trade shows. Let's talk a little bit about trade shows. We went to one today. Well, yeah, you, you went to, I, I worked it. You went to it. We've actually been to a couple this year already. Yeah. Not a lot of people get to attend these, but this is actually open to a lot of the public. And what a lot of public doesn't realize, there's some of these big trade shows are actually open to the, to the nation if you can sneak your way in. <laughs> now, <laughs> anything's open to the public if you can sneak your way into it. <laughs> True. <laughs> so, but like, okay, Family Winemakers of California, huge yeah. tasting event. The first two hours are like open to trade only. The next two or three hours are open to the public. If somebody who's not trade shows up an hour earlier, they're probably going to let them in. Or Vin Italy, I know for a fact that I go to, I've been to Provine the last five years. Yeah. They say, who are you with? And you type in the name and then you get your ticket like an hour later. There's nobody fact checking that I'm with Damien's Wines. You could literally just type in anything in that line and you can get a trade pass. Also, you could also just say, Hey, I literally just got my liquor license. I'm starting up a business next week. I was invited here. Yeah. I mean, yeah. or just name the name your shit after your own name. Like, I'm this is John Coppins Wines. Just say you work for Safeway Fries or Kirkland or something. Yeah. Like, th I don't think I've ever, you're not going to get fact checked on any of these big events. They no. want people in, they just want to exclude some of the riffraff, so to say. But your local events, maybe it'd be a little tougher. I mean, example, the one I went to today. They're like, oh, you're here for the event. I go, yes. I, they didn't recognize me. No. And she goes, all right, sign in here. And they handed me a clipboard. I put my name, my email, my phone number, and who I was with. Yeah. And it, it, it's... I, I, you know who I'm with? Spilling the truth. Yeah. It sounds like a self-help group. <laughs> like... We all get together on Thursdays. We all talk. <laughs> we all say our problems. Spill, but, it's basically what we do anyways. And, and before I wrote, finished writing the second line... They already handed me a glass in the booklet. Like, yeah. I could have literally just made up something and gone in. Yeah, I think for some of these smaller ones, they can get away with a little bit more. It's like a lot of things. The smaller you are, the more you fly into the radar, the more you can get away with certain things. Versus the holy shit, the Southern show that we went to that was that talking stick was ludicrous. Thousands of people, hundreds of table. One guy had a seizure at a table at one point. Great, that was medical. But still, people were walking by the casino. They looked and went, what's that? People were just out front with bottles like, ah, trade show, go in there. And then just fucking free for all. And, I've, I've and I think they learned because they've never done it since then. And I've done a lot of these shows around the nation. I've been part of them. And at the front door, they're not really checking that hard. Because if you show up. They assume you were invited. There's, exactly. no, there's nobody posts on Facebook, hey, trade show today or any of those things. The big one I went to in Philadelphia was at this place called uh, Restaurant Live or something like that. Or World Cafe Live. It's a music venue. But it's closed to everybody except for the people going there that day. If you show up, knock on the door, you're there for that you're there. event. Yeah. You know, like, they're not going to be like, oh, sorry, you're not 
I did. I like the ones that we do today that I was helping out with was because a it's much smaller, so you have the smaller producers. You don't have the mass production, you know, Woodbridges or Fetzer guys out there. And not like I imagine. I don't. I can't imagine Fetzer Woodbridge goes to a trade show. But uh, like the small one is these really small, tiny brands you never heard of. A brand new beer company, which by the way, fantastic beer. Available in two states. Yeah, that's it. Just and now all of a sudden, you know, we met that gentleman and he was fantastic. He's one of the owners. He lives between here and, and Utah. And dude, it's such fun stuff. Try and now I'm I'm hooked. And I, I will buy that. I will buy these. I will buy the other things that I have. And I, that's a great way to go. I think as long as you're not a shitty person and you're not the guy who's just tra- crashing every show and being, you know, an asshole. There's those people. You're going to get into them. Like, there's people in this town that go to every tasting possible. Not yeah. the trade tastings, but I've poured at uh, wine shops and stores, and I've done, I've gone to one store from three I can think three of a to, very specific tiny girl that goes to every one of those, and but, she's awful. <laughs> but I've been to one where we're pouring from, say, like, two to five, and then I have to go to another one from, you know, six to nine. Well, we missed the Paso Robles one, because and I've seen this, do it. I've seen the same people, like, I think there's some people that just crash tastings because they know they can drink for free, yeah. which, I mean, I guess... If you can get away with it. Some people want to walk in to be able to try those $100, $150 bottles just so they can say they could try it. So the big thing about these trade shows is they fly in people from around the world. I mean, there were people that flew in from South America for this show. There's people flying from Napa. There's people flying from Sonoma. You want them to try their wines. And at the end of the day, there's open bottles left. They would rather pour for a consumer and have that consumer hear the story and become, have vested interest in that product because they met the winemaker. They met the producer. They met the importer. Versus pouring the wine down the drain. How many wines? Yeah. How many wines from the last show we went to went to waste? There were probably Dude, fi- they, they couldn't fi- have given fi- away that 50, many. 60, 70 cases they probably had because there were two hundred tables in the room. Some of those tables had. 12 bottles of wine on them. When they're all done, they put them in the boxes and they just left with them. Yeah, and it's unbelievable how and those, many people just, they open it up to drink with everybody and call it a day. And those Sorry. reps are... those Do my Instagram thing, guys, for you. Follow us on Instagram. <laughs> but See the, that sweet picture I'm taking right but, now. But those bottles might go to a home. Some of those bottles won't. And a lot of those bottles are going to end up going down the drain because they've already been opened. Which is unfortunate because a lot of them are rare or hard to get. Or in some cases, if it's a mass-produced thing, they don't care that it's going away because it costs them a couple pennies. But somebody's like, dude, that's like, I've got five acres. Well, I just pour two and that's an actual it's a dollar sign to me like i just lost 50 bucks and that 50 bucks pays my daughter's braces and i understand it's it's not legal for people to leave with those open bottles so I unless know. you're pulling a move like me where i got like four of them jammed down my pants <laughs> like, i'm not gonna lie that, that the fact that you were able to get certain things in your pants sometimes was really that's impressive. why you gotta wear baggy we have cl- weird baggy, weird uh, baggy clothes <laughs> see there's a benefit to losing all this weight <laughs> <laughs> Still, I haven't bought new clothes yet. So you're like the you're like the reverse fat man in a suit, but instead of it being like fake fat <laughs> like, suits, it's just booze. <laughs> you're like Damien, you showed up looking skinny. You're leaving looking fat again. <laughs> well, I just drank all the beer. Hey, why are you leaving so quick? I'll see you tomorrow. I wanna I wanna throw this one out here because this was it's a great label. And that's the thing about beer people. I love the packaging they're doing. I asked this. We talked about this in the last episode. Getting a beer label is simply uh, five minutes on the internet filling it TV. out. It's gone. Yeah. And, and if for some reason. Once again, you get somebody does a cease and desist or says, oh, you can't use this because you, you're you already sold out of that beer by the time yeah. it comes back to you. And they're like, I sold that beer a year ago. It's already gone. So I, I, I talked to a local brewery about this. 
because we were really curious on one of our previous episodes about how easy it is to get beer labels compared to wine labels. Wine labels, you got to like give up. There's a, actually a lot of effort to put into you, a wine Yeah, you got to give up a blood type, firstborn son, a kidney sample. <laughs> like sometimes it's a pain this in the ass. pee in a cup, yeah. Whereas a beer, literally it's five minutes to fill it out and you get a beer label approved. I, I like this one. I also just noticed that that's an anglerfish instead of the light bulb. It's a hop. That's really cool. Pretty dope, right? All right, so check this out, guys. That would be awesome to actually have that on a beer glass. We were talking about this at the local brewery. Yeah. This is having a logo that is so, like, perfectly designed where you could just put your logo on something and people recognize it. That's the Ren House. We're to the point now where Bird. we follow Reddit a lot and the craft beer things, and you'll see somebody in Minnesota cracks a beer and they have the Ren House glass. It doesn't say Ren House on it. All that is is well, the bird. New image is new image is a triangle. Yeah, with the becomes, I don't know what there's like there's like an actual symbol for that thing, but it's that weird looking triangle. That's really smart though because that is a great label. Angler with the hop. The angler with the hop. That's awesome. And if that is on the front of a glass. Around the world, I don't even know if that's on the other ones, but that, that is yeah. it's fantastic. I, I, they all that was on the most of the labels today. Was it the anglerfish? Yeah. yeah, this is cool. I mean, it's Salt Fire from Salt Lake City, Utah. This one is their hazy IPA because you know it's just got a new right got to do a New England IPA Always. in Damn. Uh, Utah, which is crazy. I, we'll get to the Utah crap in just a second, but this one's called Big in Japan. And I thought it was really weird for being a uh, like a New England IPA, and I asked why. And he told you more than I can remember, but it's because these specific hops that go into this were only made in or grown in Japan and China and then brought to America. So it's a very specific new style of hop. And uh, honestly, dude, this is one of the better ones we had in a while. So it was... Uh, actually, he has ingredients on here. Does he? Um, awesome. But yeah, it's the Sorachi Ace hops. Sorachi? Yeah, Sorachi. Galaxy, Vic Secret, Idaho, Z Yeast, and Water. So, yeah, that's Sriracha. Uh, it's, it's, it says Golden Promise Hops and Sriracha, but it was the Sriracha, the ones I yeah. had never heard of. Yeah. Because everything today is Mosaic, Nelson, Citria. Cascade. Yeah, it's kind of the same, Galaxy. the same five we're seeing an awful lot. You see Mosaic and Citra a lot right now. Which I get it. I understand. I really like those styles of beers, but it's really cool to see something that I haven't had before. Yeah. Especially coming out of... Utah, which is weird because every I, so when I think of beer, I think of Washington, Oregon, California, Denver, and honestly, the East Coast for the most part. And I don't, I assume everybody drinks in Minnesota and Wisconsin like crazy, you know, because you know, it is the, the German states. But when I think of beer being made, I do not ever think of Utah. It's as a matter of fact, I think less of Utah than I do the Bible Belt states making beer. Well, one thing I said to him when we were talking to the gentleman was that uh, great water in Utah. And he goes, oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's one thing I've, we've noticed is that these places, a lot of them that have great beer have great water. All those mountains. Vermont, Colorado, Utah. Washington. I mean, there's great ones. Oregon, it's California. You all have those mountain, mountain ranges. Yeah. Yeah. The only one that wouldn't be able to get away with it as much would be Nevada because it's just like the top of the mountain of the Rockies and there's nothing up there to well, pool. One of the reasons why you don't ever probably see very many Nevada beers or even Arizona. It's a little bit radioactive too. And, and Arizona beers, no. we have. They're, they're, it, it gets filtered through the mountain, which is not good. And there's people like uh, Four Peaks that have their own filter filtration system yeah. and they actually mineralize their waters to match certain regions but they have to manipulate it yeah it's not like they're taking some fresh mountain water it's not a well that you would use yeah yeah and i think that's why some of these mountain states are producing the best beer because they have the freshest water like it's yeah. not just tap water like i don't think at you west virginia 
Get on it. Stop with your meth and, you know, shitty moonshine. They make, they make good Appalachian moonshine. states would make the best beers. Well, that's why they make the best moonshine, it's too, true. is because they go out into the woods with their mash, and that water... Find that spring well. They're pulling it off rivers. Like, I've watched moonshiners on TV. Like, literally, they set up next to a river, and yep. they're, just, they're taking it in. Like, that shit's not filtered. It's just yeah. river water. Yeah, everything by rivers is going to be fantastic, as long as there's not, like, a city upstream from it, basically. But you're right. Those Appalachian states are the lowest... In beer production, we talked about and that. And you think they'd be crushing it? No. Well, I think the people there don't consume it as much. Probably not. I mean, think about all the fresh water that a hurricane hits Virginia, North Carolina, hits the mountains, and all that water runs back down. You could probably have a lot of supply. Those states just love to crush their moonshine. They, they do. They like to get drunk quick. Yeah. I bet it also evaporates a lot of water when if, they make meth. If, if, I, if I lived in West Virginia, I'd probably want to get drunk quickly, too. <laughs> Not gonna lie, <laughs> <laughs> at a much faster. Yeah, quadruple IPAs incoming from West Virginia. Have you ever? Had, I don't think. I'm sure they make. There'll be a quad at some point. There'll be like a sextuplet fucking IPA. There'll be a barley wine. A, a, an IPA that's at, a barley wine. At what point do the alcohol levels stop? Like, can you and you can still call it a beer? Didn't, we, we dog, a, we, didn't Dogfish have a 23? percent Oh my god, it helps. That that's fucking like it's port. It's more yeah. than port, and it's a beer, so it's even harder yeah i mean we've had some that are in the 12 13s that are barley like, wines are about that 13 yeah and some of those barrel aged stouts get pretty high Can get up there yeah yeah i don't know man at some point like i i have trouble with the double ipas i just i, I we like to drink i like to drink we don't want to be drunk i don't want to be drunk you know i just i if i could sip on a, a great alcoholic beverage and have great conversations all day long that's a great day if I have two beers and I'm shitty, what's the that's kind of defeats the purpose of having drinks to me. So one thing that people don't realize is out here on the West Coast, our football games start at 10 a.m. And it's tough to start drinking IPAs at 10 in the morning mm -hmm. and try and make it to the 530 game, which on the East Coast is like 830. So, you know, at least everybody can do their morning routine, whether it's, you know, wake up, do the lawn, go to church, have time with your kids, have lunch before game one starts, and then they're fine versus we wake up and the 10 the bars are packed at 10 a.m. And so I, I went in this, uh, this Sunday and I was like, I looked at the menu and it was 10 IPAs and like five light beers. And I was like, I'll take the line and Google some of Shandy because I don't want to drink. I don't want to drink the Bud Light or Budweiser, but I definitely don't want to be drinking IPAs. And by the end of the day, I was watching the Falcons games. I didn't even drink during the game. I was like, I'm just, I'm tired. I was falling asleep because we just drank See, beer all day long. It's a good thing and a bad thing. And growing up back east, I've, I'm, I'm torn on that whole thing. Like it really sucks that the early games start at 10 a.m. in the out here because back east you can get all your shit done we'd wake up we'd run errands we'd mow the lawn my dad would start dinner like start like roasting like whatever he slow cooked all yeah. day long game starts at one ends at four at the end of the first games you pull whatever the roast out you eat dinner the second games the late game started late monday night football started at like seven or eight o'clock it went till 11 yeah that's crazy now i that's in a way a good thing because out here monday night football starts at like 5.30. 5.30. Like, yep. you're not even off of work sometimes out here. But it's nice because it's also done by 8.30. 8.30. So you can still go home and get ready for work tomorrow, where back east, those Monday night games... And if you're getting overtime, all of a sudden it's midnight. Those Monday night games are going to midnight sometimes. Yeah. That's rough. Yeah. Like, that's... It's weird when you have a whole country that you forget is, is the size of Europe or bigger, and that whole time zone is just crazy. Trying we to only have up. four time zones. Imagine being like Russia that has 12 time zones. We've got to have more than four. We have four here. 
So if you go from Maine to Hawaii, there's only four well, hours. Well, Hawaii is different. Like that's outside of so it. So you're but, saying continental U.S. Yeah, you, you have you have east eastern mountain so central. It's a three-hour swing. Yeah, but yeah, and that one that falls in between it's, is Arizona, yeah, who never moves. Four time yeah. zones in the United States. Granted, Hawaii is like its own thing. All right, that, yeah, it's out there. It doesn't. Yeah. Hawaii is basically Australian time zone. <laughs> Just just before the next day, time Pretty zone. Pretty much. But that's crazy. Imagine waking up in Hawaii at 7 a.m. to watch a football game, and then Monday night football comes up while the sun is like right there. Yeah. You're like, uh, it's 2 o'clock. Monday night football is on. They're three hours beyond us. Yeah. I mean, think about their football. If you're going to watch, it starts at 7 a.m. Yeah, 7 a.m. That sucks. <laughs> it wouldn't be up. You'd wake up by the time. There's a lot of people that wake up, and the first games are over. Yeah. All those people who lose money working at bars... Or don't work at bars because it's not open. Yeah, I think over there they care more about either rugby or cricket. No, it's Hawaii. It's they don't there. care. Yeah, they do. Cricket. No. It's it's the Tongan states, like the the Hawaiian states, the Pacific. They love. Yeah, their but cricket. this is America, man. It's not the French Polynesian, Hawaii's, Australian. Hawaii's barely America. It's barely anything. It's yeah, just it's a an, beautiful a, place to but go. It's an island. That's the thing. It's multiple not, islands. I'm not, I'm not saying that it's not America, but I'm saying that it's closer to a Polynesian island. In their mentality in a lot of ways than it is to Wisconsin. Yeah, but think of all the tour there's more tourists out in Hawaii. And a lot more Japanese tourists. Really? Oh yeah. The yeah. So baseball's a big thing, probably. I'm sure it is. Just yeah. like Seattle. So this God, we got a lot of wine to try in this episode. Yeah, man. And it's one family too, which is nice. We were we were lucky enough to get these bottles from them. This is the uh, Gorman family. How many did you so bring? Oh, all, you, you only brought it's four? The, it's the same four. I mean, there's you know. There's eight, like 10 other in there. That's a heavy one. Dude, this, this bottle could kill a puma if it came at you. <laughs> Fucking puma? Where'd you come up with puma? I don't know. <laughs> just the first thing that popped my head. Just not a, not a bab, bobcat. Not bad a cat. Well, bobcat's not going to attack me. It's Arizona. Bobcats are tiny little things. We have a lot of care. pumas here. <laughs> is, that, is it a puma a mountain lion? We have to, no, I think they're different. I thought a puma... No, a mountain lion and a puma is the same thing. No. I'm going I with think, it I, is. I think they're cousins. <laughs> They're not the same thing. Well, for now, let's just <laughs> pretend they are. <laughs> Every time I think of a puma, I think of Ricky Bobby. There's uh, a puma in a car. <laughs> I think of a really weird clothing line. Oh, that's right. Yeah, pumas. Yep. I forgot about puma shoe. Puma shoe. Puma shoe. That's yeah, weird to say. Yeah, totally. Puma shoe. Anyway, so I don't know how we went to pumas. <laughs> so trade shows. <laughs> how to sneak into uh, a trade show. I totally haven't been drinking today. <laughs> that's the fun about wine, though, is that... Like we said, you can sip on it all day long. You can have a good time. Like we've tried a bunch of these wines, but we wanted to do an episode tonight about some of the things we had at the show. Do kind of a Cabernet episode where we just bullsh yeah. bullshit about the wine industry, what's going on in the industry. There's a lot of things that we want to talk about in our last episode that we didn't talk about. The stats and stuff like that that have gone on over the last couple of weeks. Stuff yeah. like phylloxera and there's, oh, there, perfect. There, it's Washington. There is so much that's actually happened in the wine industry that we didn't talk about with the episode with Sean. So this gives us a chance to kind of talk about that because we have a couple guests coming on in the next couple of days also. Yeah, we'll have a lot coming up soon. We do. We have four episodes this week. Hand me the red one. I'm gonna we're gonna start because I, I put this in the that's order like the that heavy, it came through. No, that's like the heaviest one of all of them. Is it really? It's funny because this is the Red Mountain. Uh, so this is Red Mountain Cabernet. So you know what? And that's the case because this is uh, this is a GSM blend, and then this one. No, this is the GSM blend. Yes, this is the GSM blend. This is the Cab Merlot blend, I believe. And then this is the Red Mountain Cabernet, and then this is their full on. They're all, damn, these are all heavy-ass bottles. So while you're pouring some wine for us, um, let's talk a little bit about Phylloxera. 
So phylloxera is a louse that uh, affected Europe really heavily in the 1800s. And it actually forced a good percentage of the people out of wine country and to take their grapes and their roots to South America. There was no cure for phylloxera. And to this day, there's no cure for this. There's very few parts of the world where it doesn't affect it. We've talked about this in Argentina, the Argentina episode, the, or sorry, the Chile episode, that Chile is not affected really by phylloxera. Well, there's a, one place in America that's never been affected, and it was Walla Walla, Washington. Yeah. They have a type of soil that's very sandy. Um, also, the way the climate works and the way the frost hit during the year, it really keeps phylloxera from hitting. They have their first case of phylloxera ever this year. Yeah, they're at least declared for the most part. They do say, which I learned something interesting, that when you're infected by phylloxera, you typically don't know it for roughly 10 years. Yeah, because it's going to take its time to break those root systems down so that it can no longer pull in the nutrition that it needs from the soil. So they're trying to figure so out how it came in. Time. So in, in Oregon, I've been to wineries where they make, have made me wear booties to walk on the property. Yep. In uh, Piedmont, those places we went to, they made us wear booties to walk on their property. Did they really? Because they, they don't want us to bring in the root diseases from the neighbors to their property. So we put on these basically like plastic shoes over ours. Hmm. So this way we're not tracking or bringing on any parasites. Interesting. So they don't know how it got in there. If it was tracked in by somebody that visited other wineries, if it came in through dirty roots, because a lot of walla, a lot of walla walla is on original rootstock. Yeah, they have not grafted. So now they're on this program over the next three or four years. They're going to start grafting. They're going to start uprooting vines. Like it's a, it's kind of like go time there for them to change their growing practices. A lot of it they're saying is global warming. Yeah, and that now the soils are a little more easily accessible for these louse. So those extra couple degrees that are at the beginning and the end of the years are actually allowing it to grow yeah, and, and move and kind of spread. So I sad. find it amazing that with all of our technology, and I guess I know what I'm about to say, and I uh, my my response to it to be something I'm thinking about is basically I can't believe we haven't invented something that would kill it. But then at the same time, if we invented something that did kill it, it would be like the equivalent of a roundup. So people 80 yes. years ago were like, we got to get rid of weeds. Well, we invented something to get rid of weeds. And now people are like, well, it's giving us cancer. Well, the so if they finally found something that would kill this, uh, this phylloxera, this, this little louse, they'd be like, yeah, we're able to kill the louse. But then all of a sudden they'd be like 20 years later, like, well, everybody's getting liver cancer because of this chemical yeah. that kills the louse. Or you end up with like Bellissimo, the vineyard in California, where they sprayed a chemical on the property that basically killed all the little suckers. Killed the whole vines, didn't it? It, it? it literally killed everything. So it was an herbicide. They're supposed to just spray on a portion of the, of the property. And what it does, it kills the like the little suckers yeah. that, that connect. Well, they sprayed it on the whole entire property over a period of three days, and it killed every single vine, basically. They lost their entire crop, That's 100%. And they're thinking they're not going to get another crop for three years. Because it's still in the soil, even when it's done. Yeah. So that happened out here to some people up in uh, Polson. And I can't remember the name of the vineyard, but I was talking to him, and uh, he was growing Malbec and Cab Franc and um, some Viognier and some Pinot Noir because he found a real cool climate. He went to UC Davis. He grew up in New York in the Finger Lakes, and he brought it out here. And the way his whole vineyard area was set up, which was nine acres of Malbec, he had it up on this little ridge, and his neighbor up top went full-on like scorched-earth herbicide, killing everything. And when they watered it, all of that flowed down into his vineyard, and he went out one day, and all of his Malbec was just fucked up. No idea why. Went up to the neighbor, found out that they had sprayed a, uh, not just a Roundup, but like a full-on 
herbicide. Uh, something that's yeah, like something a, that's just devastates. Nothing grows back. Like a pre, like, like a pre-emergent. Yeah, just killed it all, and they then flooded the entire area and all that. Just pushed it down to the next vineyard. Anyways, the guy moved, ran away basically before they ever got into a lawsuit with him or anything. But he's like, dude, I lost nine acres, and I don't know when I can replant. Well, you know, when it comes to like certain organic certifications or different sustainability certifications. If your property is doing everything correctly and your neighbors are not, you can't get it. In other parts of the world or parts of like the United States, you could still get a sustainability certification even if your neighbors are pouring Roundup by the gallons on your property, which is kind of bullshit to me. It really ticks me off. I've been on a fight for the last week on well, the internet yeah, about and this. I, I, the worst thing about that is that comes down to warning. Sustainability, I understand with a Roundup because it is sustainable to not make an organic, or excuse me, a carbon footprint, but it's still a fucking poison. People don't understand the word sustainable or sustainability. That's it's, the issue. If you put sustainable product or sustainable, sustainably grown on your label, the uninformed hippies of the world think that means organic. And it's it not. does not. And this is a big problem happening right now in Sonoma. And this is why I've been so fired up for the last week. I wanted to talk about this with Sean, but we didn't get to it, is the fact that there was just an announcement that Sonoma is the most sustainable growing region. Was it like 98, 99%? 99% sustainable. However, the list of chemicals they can use is a mile long. Size of a dictionary. Including Roundup and including like one of the most powerful chemicals that kills every honeybee out there. So how are you still sustainable? Well, we were, they have very lax laws. Whereas if you go to Oregon and you have salmon safe certification, which is another sustainable certification, even if your neighbors have these chemicals, you can't get that certification. You have to be in a, a, a joint venture with your neighbors basically to say, I'm not going to use it. You're not going to use it. And together we're going to do this because Rain runs through your property onto my property. Yeah. Bugs go to your property and come to my property. Birds go to your property and come to my property. Like, your pl your plane flies over your property spraying fucking these horrible chemicals. And one good wind gust And it blows it all into all my on. property. Yeah. So, in Oregon, you're not allowed to do that. But in Sonoma, you still can. And I think that's complete bullshit. And yeah. I've been arguing with people on the internet for the last five days over this. Well, so you're going to lose because you're arguing with idiots on the internet, most likely, and people who aren't informed. The, the, that being said, there are people who know in the industry what they're talking the about. The title of my article that I posted says, I'm about to start a fight. <laughs> and that's what I basically did. Yeah. You know, people were like, one, uh, an Australian winemaker said something. He's like, he's like, you got to remember that winemakers have integrity. And I was like, corporate America and integrity are never used in the same sentence. Yeah. There's, there's so much truth in that, especially when people will sit there and say, well, it's a family-owned vineyard, except what they mean to say is it's our family that owns 20 million companies and makes billions of dollars, and this winery is just a project of ours, and we'll do anything we can to make it. There's 400, last I was told, I don't know where it's at now, was there was 435 wineries within the Napa AVA. Whether that's county or valley, I'm not sure, but let's just, there's 435 and there's only like 22 privately owned. The vast majority of Napa Valley wineries that you see everywhere are corporate owned, hedge fund owned, realty owned, executive owned. Screaming Eagle is owned by the family who owns Walmart. The Waltons own Screaming Eagle. There's a point in time where, yes, there are definitely the families out there who are doing everything they can to keep their their land intact, their integrity intact, and keep it good. And then their next door neighbor is the big ass conglomerate who saw that that one wine yes. got ninety eight and goes, "Well, let's dump a hundred million dollars into the project so we can get a hundred points, make a fortune of money. We'll build this massive shrine to ourselves, and we'll do 
anything it takes. We'll put in herbicides, pesticides, you know, we'll redo this. And then we'll just buy an organic labeling facility and give them points to be organic and certified and we'll slap it on a label and call it a day. I could do that too. I could take my winery, slap on organic anytime I want onto it and I would never get in trouble. I could say non-GMO, sustainable, sulfite, like free range sulfites, all that stuff on it and there's nobody that can come knocking on my door and say, you can't do that. The public can, but I'm going to ignore you. When we open our wine shop, we have this, a section of wines. It's free range sulfites. Are, free, free range sulfite we'll, wines. We'll, we'll put it in like a little like pen of grass. <laughs> we, we, we do it just to see who shops there, just for fun. It's going to be our, our uh, test subject. That'd be interesting. Just a whole section of free range sulfites, and then all the wine is elsewhere. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> Come on. Cheers. I like that. Cheers to mess with people. That's always fun, man. Like, it's... I hate exploiting ignorance, but I'd, I'd rather educate people. Maybe but the second well. you solidify yourself and go, no, I'm only doing that thing. Well, then I've lost you. And now I'm going to make fun of you for being wrong. <laughs> so I represented a winery in Brunello. I believe last time I knew there was only 255 Brunello licenses. That's it. Someone basically has to die to get a Brunello license. One of the southernmost Brunellos I represented. And the guy who makes it is all about biodynamics. He's actually taught global courses on biodynamics because of what he's done. He turned this Brunello winery 100% biodynamic, 100% organic. I mean, what they do is insane. He's never been able to get a certification for organics because his neighbors spray. Mm. Doesn't matter what he does. To the end of time, Doesn't matter. his neighbors spray, he could never get it. He ended up finally selling out and he moved to Argentina. Dang. Because he found a piece of property in Patagonia that had never been touched by a chemical in its life. And he's like, I have them. I can literally drink water out of the river every day because it's so clean. And the crazy thing, the crazy comments, and you would hear it way more in America than anywhere else. And this is going to be a little bit political. But there are certain people that would say, well, good. That neighbor should be able to do what he wants any way that he wants to make the money that he wants. While another like set of people is like, no, but we're trying to make things better. We don't want that guy to, we need to regulate that. And that's the key word is regulate. And that's where everybody fucking clenches their fists in this country and goes, well, we need to regulate that or no, don't you even think about regulating that? And you're like, dude, in the end, your product's not going to take the hit that you think. And you're making things better for everybody else. Dude, I'd rather drink all my wine. Now, in the end, it still is wine. It's still alcohol. But I'd rather at least know that Roundup wasn't involved and herbicide wasn't involved. Like, dude, nobody was doing that I'm, I'm all, 100 years ago. Yeah, I'm all about capitalism. I'm about growing. I'm a capitalist who but, thinks things should be regulated. But you know what? I believe we should be on clean energy. And if people, if the m- people that have the most money are not on clean energy, I think capitalists are... Government should almost take over and say, it's time to switch because we're yeah. killing this planet. And it's one thing if you're doing something by yourself in the middle of nowhere and nobody's around you. But when you're in Napa Valley and from top to bottom, everybody's affected by that river that rolls what? down. Or if you're on the top, if you're that guy on when, the top of Howl Mountain and there's 40 vineyards below you and you're just dumping chemicals on your stuff, one good rain just slowly pushes that down to the other guys. My friend who made world-class Brunello decided he wanted to have a vineyard that was never touched by chemicals. He had to go to the very tip, southern tip of South America to find a vineyard that was not ever touched by chemicals. There's something wrong with that. Yeah. There really is. Yeah. It's unfortunate. And I understand the, it's such a tough thing because the importance of chemicals, it's, there's, there are certain chemicals that are needed, especially when there's 8 billion people on this planet. To keep things going, which is unfortunate. But with vineyard management, there are natural ways to counterbalance every single thing. You got a problem with fucking rodents? 
Get you, some hawks. Put, put up put up owl nests. Yeah. You got to put bird boxes around. You could have ladybugs. You know what? You have, you have a problem with moths. You can get butterfly sexual confusion. I have the little strips that go around the vineyards now that we now see where it freaks moss and butterflies out so they don't go into your vineyard and they fly sexual, away. Yeah, it's, yeah it's like butterfly a, sexual confusion. Yeah. Look, we did it with la, uh, phylloxera. There we are, made a new root. Or excuse me, we took different roots it to might be fight a little, that. It might be a little tougher. Just like if you want to lose weight, you yeah. could do some fucking fad diet to try and lose it fast or you could just and you get it all right could, back <laughs> or you could start exercising and do things right it's a little tougher it's gonna take a little more effort but you're doing it the right way yes and that think that's the same thing with vineyard sites they just need to do stuff a, a little more it is and it's a, it's intelligent a, it's tough because i know everybody more in the younger generations wants to be healthier they want to treat the planet better they want to do things that just they they promote this whole health culture and in some cases they're they're joke they're kidding themselves like and a lot of bad things they're the type of people who sit there and scream that they don't want to eat some but then they'll go and eat mcdonald's all weekend after a night of drinking or or they'll be like i'm super vegan and i won't put chemicals into my body and then they go snort molly all night long like i'm like all right yeah, i get it totally but the reality is, is at some point we got to take care of what we're doing. You want to take care of that river because that river provides this whole thing with a lot of beauty. And by the way, a lot of Napa Valley's money, while it comes from wine, it comes from the idea of Napa Valley. And the idea is green, lush land, animals, beautiful cellars, nice vineyards, not some plane flying by just and dumping chemicals on anything. And, and one of the reasons why wine country in California has been able to sustain is because they do have some pretty strict laws because if they didn't... There's, once again, corporate America sometimes doesn't give a shit. And I've seen this, we've seen this in California where uh, a winery comes and cuts down all the trees that are a natural tree line that are protecting everybody else's vineyards. 100 year oak trees, just bulldozed. <clears throat> Justin. Justin or Jordan? It was Justin. It was Justin? Oh, yeah. Big time. I thought it was Jordan. Yeah. Got, Either got, way, they, Paso Robles. Yeah. Yeah. Jordan's Alexander. Sorry. Yeah, Justin. Justin. And I don't mind throwing somebody under the bus because he got nailed. I mean, you could look this up yourselves yeah. because they screwed up. They did something they shouldn't. They they were told they couldn't do it, and they realized they could just do it and then pay the fine. And they did it. And they did it. And paid the paid, fine. Totally. And, and, and didn't care. But the wine country has blackballed them now. Good. And there are a lot of people in the wine industry that hate them because of this. Yeah. And that's kind the of bought because in the end, the only thing that matters is when you are totally. no longer when you when you no longer know your neighbor. And you can sit there and go, hey, listen, uh, I want to try this. Why don't we stray? Let's th uh, hey, listen, our stream is backing up. We need to go clear that out because the logs fell versus a corporation coming in going, hey, how do we save $20 million? We need to make this amount of money. Well, we got this land. Let's just fucking clear, cut it, and plant more vines. Cool, do that and make up a label. Did you pour this one or the red, red one? So the red one is the Red Mountain Cabernet. That's a fucking monster. It's fucking huge. The black one is the, uh, the Syrah Grenache Movedra Blend. 15.2. That's a little aggressive. I'm not going to lie. Red Mountain Cabinet. Dude, Red Mountain is the, the Rutherford of... They should call this the Red Teeth Blend. <laughs> the, the Red Tannic Blend. Yeah, no. So Red Mountain, every single time... I love Red Mountain. I think it's one of the... It's the best appellation in, in probably the entire Columbia Valley or Washington in general. Now, I know people argue whether it's Walla Walla, Columbia, whatever, Yakima. Red Mountain is definitely at least the top of that. And it's tiny, man. It's like, it's completely blocked out. Everybody's planted their stuff there. It's big. It's aggressive. It's hard sloped. It's the El Hermitage of, you I, know, the area. I love their packaging. It's, 
it's fun. It's outside the box. It doesn't look like a French chateau. It doesn't look like a typical tent. Like typical wines had a family crest, what it is, basic yeah. information. These are fun. I'm not a big fan of glossy labels, but they don't look cheesy. But they're matte. You could feel it. They, These are matte. But they don't look like um, a northern New Mexican blend or some of the Arizona stuff. Like, you know, when you get those wines, they're just kind of cheap looking. Yeah. You put a high gloss label on a bottle of wine. To me, they often look cheap. These are gloss labels. These aren't matte finish. And you don't think that? You no. feel that? No. Because it's still got gloss. I was like, because if you feel it, it's rough. But that's not the texture I'm talking about. I'm talking about the color. Oh, whatever. Yeah. It's the fact, like, that's gloss. Like, that's gloss. Yeah. So is this. But it's all good. Um, I, I just love the fact that it's very modern looking. It stands out. If you see this label on a shelf, in three months, if you see this label again, you're not going to be confused and be like, this yeah. happens with you French wines. You know wines. exactly what it is. Sometimes I buy a Sancerre or I buy a Burgundy and I go and I walk into a shelf and I'm like, oh my God, what was it? I remember it said Margot. Now there's 87 wines that say, Mar say Margot. Or you, you, buy a Sancerre, you buy a Sancerre and every Sancerre looks exactly the same on the label. Get that Burgundy Latour on there and you're like, oh shit, which one was it? Crest, green writing, matte label, they all look exactly the same. And that's a big problem, I think, in the global market where these all have a very unique look. If I see these in six months, I know these wines. And I really give a shout out to the winery for doing very fun, creative labels that don't look cheesy. They don't have a liger on them. Like it doesn't, it's not like, it's not a critter wine, as I always call the Australian wines. Like I don't have like some three animal blend on the front, you know, with some stupid name. And I'm, I'm, I'm a big, it's a big wine. But the tannins aren't crazy. The it's only thing, not a crazy tannic wine. The only thing I would recommend with these from where we're standing at right now is if they were a few degrees cooler from where we came in. Like yeah. they'd probably be better for us drinking them if they were. This is room temperature, 52. which is 78. Arizona room temperature. Yeah, 78. Yeah. 76. <laughs> and, and people that are listening, don't be afraid to throw your wine in the fridge or in the freezer for five minutes or 10 minutes. I, that I, we, extra we, couple degrees We helps. do it all the time where yeah. I'll take wines out of my cooler and throw them still in the fridge for five minutes before we serve them. Yeah. Just to break them down to 52, 58, like the right temperature. You can always warm your wine back up. You can always cup it and warm it up if it's too cold. Mm. But you'd rather have it be a little cooler going into it than be too warm. Because warm wine... There's not much you can go with. You get the oaky and alcohol. It really... It hurts wine. And it drives me nuts, especially in Arizona. Wine bars that have... That are hot. They're near the pass. They're near the, the where the food's coming out and everything. And it's 80 degrees in that restaurant. It's hot. I worked in a restaurant that was all glassed in. It got fucking hot during the summertime. Every bottle of wine, we would take the carafes and spit them in an ice bucket for a minute yeah, before we sent them out to out. tables just to drop it by five degrees. Like it was, it's rough sometimes in this town in the summertime to try and keep your wine at a good temperature. Well, we were at that place today that we were looking at for the shop, and that, that sun came through that window, dude, and I had beads of sweat going down for a half wait, second. Wait, wait, the what? Are we talking about this right now on the show? No, we'll, we'll talk about that later. Is this official? No, we'll talk about it later. This, is, right. this, is, this, is, this is a Gorman. Gorman. That, 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 I think that was just like a... Oh, well, it's a teaser. Just that an there's, Easter egg. There's, there's a there's a little something for you guys. Yeah, but yeah, but it's like the same. That sun hits us, hits the glass, man, and just bam hits you, and you're like, okay, holy crap, I gotta protect myself from this. And then the second it's set, you're like, okay, I'm fine again. I always wonder about this. There's a wine shop uh, or wine, a very high end uh, restaurant here in town, and when you walk into the restaurant, there is a an open pathway that's outdoor open and their wines are 
glassed in on both sides. Mm. So literally gets blasted with the sun constantly and they're right up against the glass on both sides and it's a very very high-end restaurant well we were talking about that one shop we were at earlier and they stacked that one there was tiny little shelf right at the window and as that sun came up in the morning it gets at least five hours of sun direct onto it and you're like dude those wines will 100 in fact i'm not afraid to actually mention the name of this restaurant because we're actually going to have the old sommelier on in a couple days and we'll ask him but it's a michael mina restaurant Bourbon? Bourbon steak. Bourbon steak. So have you been to the Bourbon, bourbon, bourbon. up uh, at the Scottsdale Princess? Oh, man, a couple years ago. But when you walk in to the walkway into the restaurant on both sides of you, it's an open it's, walkway. I remember the glass in, but the it's sun glass, hits that. It's glassed yeah. on both sides. It doesn't matter. Like, it's, you're, it's exposed. It's not a cellar. It's not black. It's not... A lot of places, their cellars are hidden. They're dark. They're in the back of the restaurant. They're, they don't have windows. Yes. The last thing you want is windows into your yeah. cellar. And Especially they have, when the sun hits a And they have windows the It's a, on both sides of it. I always wondered about that. And I, I know they keep it cool. And I'm sure they have some UV special glass. Yeah, if that's the case, like if you protect it with the UV glass. and it, I mean, obviously, I assume it's always cool. But those thing. bottles were right up against the windows, too, because it's like a showpiece. But it's Arizona. I mean, yeah. it's got to be tough. to. It's still getting hit somehow. Yeah. In my mind, I'm... Jason Caballero was the psalm there, and Thomas Klafke was a psalm there, so we could talk to both of them in the future. Like, yeah, I imagine the new Maple and Ash that's out here probably has a wine cellar that's buried in the back a bit. It's there is no glass. It's it's a it's back. Yeah, it's yeah. dark. It doesn't yeah. matter. Twenty four seven, it's dark in that cellar. Yeah. What do you what are you thinking of this one, man? So it's so just I, kind of giving a shout out to these. So the four wines we brought were Gorman Winery. This is all Washington State wines. We kind of wanted to snag these because. Uh, these are these are some of the highlights from the show that we had. They're delicious. They're big. Plus, the fact that you actually get a chance to try a, a single family's wines is really nice. Because we don't we need to do that more on the show. We need to actually review if one family's wines or talk about one family. Because often, most of our shows are about a region, a grape, yeah, or just having conversations with friends. Yeah, we just snag and, while and, and we really need to do more winery centric ones where we could talk about a winery a little bit more because once again we don't want this to turn into a a tech sheet if you guys want to look up a winery you can go online and read all the information yeah typing gormanwinery.com and you can that's get not what we want to do yeah. We're, we want to give an inside look and be a very frank about everything and you know what some winemakers might not like what we have to say there's going to be times with that i mean we've done it before we you know shit on a couple beers for a little bit doesn't mean the whole brewery's bad it doesn't mean the whole winery's bad it's yeah just, we're giving our critical feedback we're not holding back yeah and if it's, you know, if it gets down to you, that's fine. I expect it too. If you were the type of person who can sit there and you go, well, fuck those guys. We don't ever need their opinion. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. That's your thing. But then if it's a feedback that you like and you change something, tweak something, or you get better. Dude, I've had a lot of wines where I was like, these people are garbage. And then the next year they got a little better. I mean, I'm in the Arizona wine industry. That's like one of our major things is most people sucked in this industry and now I can go to a lot of these runners be like, oh, you guys are finally hitting a stride. You're getting better. I, I can't wait to see what you do in yep. five, ten years from now because I think you're all going to be fantastic with the exception of a few. So I, it's, 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 it's tough giving criticism to things you want, especially when we just right now lined up a four of one winery's wines. So, so my take on the first one we tried Monster. Is, is that it's a monstrous wine that people that love Napa Cab would go would do backflips over this wine. This wine is absolutely bold. It's got complexity. You want this with grilled steak, not prime rib. No, because it's it's roasted. I want something off the grill, heavy seasoning, lots of pepper. 
that's what this is going to go with. Dude, this is totally agree. Yeah, this it's, this it's this, this needs grill marks. Dude, this is Joe Frey. This is Klitschko. This is this is all yeah. the stuff that's going to. But the crazy I, thing is, when it comes to my all flavor wise, by the way, but palate wise, dude, the tannins are soft. It's not crazy tannic. I'm not like the finish is there, but it's not tearing my mouth up. But the flavor is fucking so it, intense. I mean, I'd hate to say it, but it's a 16. I think we're slaughtering a baby at this point. This wine should. I want to drink this wine in five years. I. You know what though? I, it's while drinking we good would, now. I would say is this normal drinker if they snag this bottle off the shelf or club. I, I'm not but sure. But it can't where be it's too just, expensive. Like I mean, this isn't compared to a typical Napa Valley wine. It's got to be less than a Napa Valley th- wine. Th- this is one of their flagships, and it's probably the same price as. I have their stuff here. I mean, I go through it. It's but, thirty dollars. So it's thirty dollar. That's that's a set. Uh, no, thirty dollars off their website. Okay. Yeah. Thirty dollars from their website. Th- this, if this was produced in Napa Valley, this would be 70, 60, 70 bucks. Se- seventy bucks. That's a seventy dollar bottle if it's in Napa. I, that wine, the fact that you just told me the price of it, the wine just got better to me. Banging. I hate to say it, but yeah. If you told me this wine was a hundred dollars a bottle, I'd say. Meh. My one thing is though, and I can I can feel it in the back of my throat is I can feel the alcohol a little bit because it's it, because it's also Arizona room temperature. I think it's true. I, th- I think I if do this think was that temperature, was if this was there. cellar temperature, I think it would show a little differently just how we're drinking it. So I'll do the notes on this in the Instagram pictures, and we'll talk about that a little bit more. Let's throw these in the fridge and then maybe drink it. I'll drink it tomorrow. Totally. And then just do a – we'll come back and give, like, our second thoughts on that one. So I, I, already, pour pour this, I already poured the second this one. This is the GSM blend. So this is mostly Grenache, a little Syrah, and a little Movedra. I'm glad you explained what GSM is because I don't think everybody exactly knows. Okay, good point. Yeah, so for anybody who out there who wants to know, this is 80% Syrah, 15% Grenache, 5% okay, Movedra so, from Columbia Valley. So, so Mostly by, Grenache. You said 80% Syrah. Syrah, sorry, sorry. So by law, you could actually call this Syrah. Uh-huh. And so, I mean, it's, I think it was, it's 75% in America, but in Washington, it's 80%, or maybe it's 85% is you have to be a, to call it a single name. As far as I'm concerned, when it comes to federal, it's 75%, but within the state AVA laws, they change. It's hot, It's the strictest in parts of Washington. I think Columbia Valley is like 85%. I believe it. So like if you want to say Napa Valley, you have to be 85. But if you want to say Rutherford, it has to be 95. But to say Cabernet from Napa... It has to be 85. It's 75. Uh, a federally. 75. For, uh, to say California. To say Napa. Doesn't matter. It's California, all of it's 75. Is it all 75? It is. The, on, to, the only but, one that's higher wait, is Washington. Wait, wait. Is it to say Cabernet or to say Napa Valley Cabernet? Cabern- that is a difference. Cabernet from, it could, it could be Oakville, it could be Napa. Well, it could no, no, be, no, no, no. The yeah. AVAs are 95%. We're gonna, you know what? We talk about Thomas on this on Wednesday because he's coming with Howell Mountain wines. Perfect. We'll do the how. But I, uh, but as far as I'm concerned, if you want to say Na- Howell Mountain Cabernet, 20s. you have to have ninety five percent of that. No way. Yes. If you want to say Napa Valley, I'm, I'm, I would. I'm believe. willing to bet this cork on it. <laughs> you know what? I'm gonna leave that right there because yeah, I'm gonna take we're this. We're gonna, I'm gonna put it right. I'm gonna put it right here I'll to remind si- I, you. I will sign that that you are not right and say Damien was wrong on this date. And that does never happen. Never happens. I'm wrong twice. A, I'm wrong twice a year, and I've already been wrong once. So you're a reverse broken clock. So this could be. All right. I only got one more this year, and it's not. And it's not happening today. Here it goes. 90, I guarantee. I guarantee. I'm writing this down. Ninety-five percent to B A V A. Boom. Yeah. All right. So so let's go with the Syrah with the little Grenache and a little Movedra. I love Syrah. Syrah needs. We were talking about this with Sean. It is the most underappreciated grape in my mind right now in America. Hands down. 
Yeah. There's, there's, what's the, what's that fantastic saying about Saran syphilis? <laughs> yeah. Uh, exactly. Yeah. It's easier to get rid of syphilis than it is Syrah. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's, it's a tough sell. It's tough to get rid of. Um, it's tough a, a, a lot of the producers in California have opted to blend 20% of their Syrah into Pinot Noir. Or other things, which is insane. It's so it's so to t- do Pinot Noir with Syrah. It's so tough to get rid of your Syrah. They just go ahead and blend it all into other wines to call it like their Cabernet Sauvignon. They'll do twenty percent Syrah, eighty percent Cabernet, and still call it Napa Valley Cabernet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> see, yeah. you agree with me now. I, I agree with you to say <laughs> Napa Valley Cab, but I'm saying to say a specific I, ABA. I, gotcha. Yeah. So, but Syrahs are amazing because they're food friendly. They're complex. I think one of the big problems is they are a little all over the board. Some of them tend to be tar, tobacco, um, bacon, grease, and and others tend to be a little more lighter. Minty, menthol, blueberry. Like, yeah, you have that hot climate Syrah, Shiraz, if you're Australia, and then cool climate Syrah. The difference between something like Syrah and Shiraz. Yeah. Same grape, but they have two very different flavor profiles. If you have Cotaron or you're having... Cote Roti. Cote Roti is light in the palate to me, but peppery. It's got that bright pepper characteristic you just can't get rid of. Yeah. And then you will go and have Robert Foley's Syrah, and that thing is a fucking monster. Dude, this, like, is, this off the nose is coming as a monster. Like, to me, I smell the bacon grease I'm talking about. That, and I, I like it, but I, that means immediately I know this is going to be a high-alcohol, big wine. I think that if Cabernet didn't... Ex- see. If Cabernet did not exist... I like the, the, the devil you don't. That shows up good, too. Yeah. If Cabernet did not exist... 15-6. Syrah would be the number one red wine in America. Oh, yeah. Hands down. I think a lot of people, you could blind taste them on Syrah, and they would think it's Cab. I believe it, too. Especially with how much okay. people like Paso Robles wine and Lodi wine. And the Carneros ones, like that Misueño Syrah was so Ooh. freaking good. I opened a bottle that was like 10 years old, fresh as a daisy. They age, I think they age even better than Cab's, most of them. They hold the same flavor profile to me the longer they age versus Cab really changes. Yeah, you don't know what you get with Cab. You and, can get an idea. And every it. year it tends to be yeah. like up and down also, whereas... I prefer aged Syrah. Like, so, yeah. After well, we num- had 2007 Wara Wara. Wula Wula. The Wira Wira? Wira Wira. That, I mean, that's Australian, though. That's impossible to say if you're drunk as shit. Wira Wira. Yeah. That was the, that was the trebuchet. That was their catapult. That was the, <laughs> trebuchets are better than catapults. Well, that, they, they said they, they're like, in Australia, we make trebuchets. We don't make catapults. He's like, but we couldn't call it trebuchet because nobody could pronounce that shit. So he's like, so we called it catapult. <laughs> I was like, that is hilarious. But they have a trebuchet in their... Winery. Yeah, they right? launch they launch watermelons at their neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> That's why they made it. <laughs> Fucking Australians, I oh, love them. If we, <laughs> I love at, at a very specific location, we may be having. Maybe we'll put a trebuchet I, on the roof. I would love to have them on the show sometimes. I would Those love to have a trebuchet. They're such good dudes. Like they're hilarious. They made the world's largest cork bottle in Australia. Oh yeah, I saw that. So in Australia, they, they have they have all screw tops. Corks are actually really hard to come by. It's got to be a so fortune. They did a charity event, and they had their equivalent of Girl Scouts collect corks from all over the country for years and years and years, and they made a giant five-story cork-looking bottle. Cork. Cork it was literally made with tens of thousands of corks, and it's a giant bottle of, they call it church block. And every mm. year, they had the local bishop come and bless the fucking bottle, and they do a celebration with the church every year, and... I mean, it's an awesome looking bottle. I mean, it's huge. I remember seeing that thing on it was uh, Google Earth, and you scroll, 
and then you zoom out, and then you zoom out, and then you zoom out one more time, and there's the whole thing. The giant. Which I wonder if it gets bigger when it rains, and then swells it's down so during it's summertime. Got, I assume also it's taken some hurt over the number of years Probably. of being up. It's not like a... I posted a great picture on my Facebook of a cork tree being harvested. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah. It's pretty I, interesting. It's, it's funny super when I tell people that. about that. Watching a cork tree gets harvested is kind of crazy. You see this tree, and for people who don't know, they don't chop the tree down. They stuff like this knife thing into it, slat it across, slat it across, and they're basically filleting the yeah. tree. And then they stretch the thing out and rip the bark off. And, and then what's piece. left is like, so like if the tree is this big, it's this big when it's done, and it's fine. Like they, they let it grow back. Let it grow back. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. Like, I think, like, if you were like, if it's to be like if aliens came in from out of space and went, well, we need to, you know, put a coating over our bottles, and they just took human beings, tore all of our skin off, and like wrapped it around a bottle yeah, and just to, let us grow back. I'm trying to think of a reference because it's not like shearing a sheep, but it's kind of like. It's kind of, it, in a way. You know what? It kind of is. It's like, you know, you buzz off their fur and their fur grows back. Because a lot of times they do it in like one piece as it all kind of yeah. comes off. But yeah, it's really interesting to see how they did it and yeah. pulled it all off and then, and then they cut just, it. And yeah, they just take these. I don't know what they call them, but these little things, and they punch into the bark, and when they pull it out, they got a cork. Yeah. So they, they basically... Oh, this they, is a special cork, though. This is the I was wrong because they, I'm Damien cork. They, they cut it into strips, and yeah, they had a machine that punched it from the sides. Yeah. It's a, it's a trip that that's how they discovered that that's going to be what goes into booze. And still, 90-something percent of all the wines in the world are finished with cork. Yeah, and it's only out of Portugal and a little bit of Spain. Which you'd think they would have figured to grow it somewhere else. But I guess it's, maybe it's like truffles. Maybe it just can't. Yeah, maybe. Like, that's the only place you could do it. But then again, if you planted a cork tree in, like, Oregon, your great-grandkids are going to be the ones who are going to be able to make the money off so of it. So I'll share the video on the Spilling the Truth Facebook page. Yeah, put it on that. So if you're not on the Spilling the Truth Facebook page, uh, go ahead and give us a like there, and you'll see that video. And it's on my own personal one, but I'll share it there when we're done with this episode so you guys can all follow it. It's actually a really, really cool video. It is. It's it's, interest, it's interesting to watch how things are made. Like, uh, we'll get to it one day, but how glass bottles are made and the different chemical compounds that go into making clear versus green versus blue versus black. And you'd think it's just, it's just glass. Well, but they, it's had not. The, they had that it's show on TV, like how it's made or whatever it is. How it's, it's pretty made. cool. Yeah. Like, they go through all sorts of whether it's hammers and, I mean, and industrialization is pretty amazing. It is pretty amazing what we get to take a we juice take, from Washington, ferment it in stainless steel or custom made yeah. oak barrels to then pass through this crazy machine to be cleaned out to then be passed through another machine to be put into a crazy bottle for it to all the way end up to a table that us and our friends sit out, drink, and have a good time. Yeah, you think about it, like these, the, these grapes were grown and picked years ago. The cork was harvested by some dude in Portugal years ago. And somehow the bottle was probably made in, you know, either. California or China, most likely. And somehow it's sitting on our table as we're recording tonight. Like, yeah. that's the kind of nostalgic part of wine. Made really... by a guy who was born in another city who ended up somehow in Walla Walla. But the, the, <laughs> the guy who punched that cork in Portugal probably had no idea that it would be sitting here on a table in Phoenix, Arizona during a podcast. It was just another cork to him. Yeah. Just another and day. Where, where it ends up. I think those another are... Another harvest. That's a little nostalgic thing that kind of catches yeah. up with me in the wine business. I like that. What do you, what do you, what are your thoughts on this one? Once again, I think it's fantastic. I, I, big, love, I love Syrah, big. a big wine. I think that's part of this area of Washington, though. They do put out big wines. So I think but it's great. You want to take a guess at how much this one is? But they're value priced. This has got to be like 25 bucks. 30 bucks. 30 bucks. 
Once again, if this wine was made in Napa Valley, it would to me I'd put it at the value of fifty to sixty. Yeah, because you know why? Also, because it's Napa Valley, it'd be a special vineyard that very few people have, and it'd probably be a seventy dollar bottle. I've drank a club lot, members only. I've drank a lot of Syrah from Napa. It's not Car- cheap. Car- Carneros Napa, Sonoma Napa, or S- Sonoma Carneros. This wine to me is I would put it in the fifty or sixty dollar range. That's the nice thing is is Washington is doing a very fantastic job. We just got to show more. Just don't tell so, them that because I don't want them to raise the price. I used to have people used to tell me that. They're like, oh, I'd pay a lot more for this. So I'm like, all right, then I'll, don't, I'll tra- don't say that. I'll charge you more. Yeah. I had somebody once, I sold, I, went, I showed them a wine and they said, I really love this wine. I was selling it to him for like 10 bucks a bottle. He goes, we have a rule that we don't buy anything cheaper than 15, so I can't buy it. He goes, but I love it. And we'd probably sell a lot of it. I go, I'll just charge you 15. Yeah. I'm like, what are you thinking? Like, I don't care. I'll charge you more. That's, that's the du- you know what? I'll charge you 15 and I'll give you four bottles for free. The stupidity of that go away. By the way, for being a $30 bottle, this bottle alone costs like five bucks. So this next one, so this was the devil you don't know. And this one is the devil you know. Let's hold them up. Yeah. So I like it. It's a little black and a white thing. So both from Columbia Valley. Uh, this one is their Cab Merlot and a little bit of Petit Verdot blend. The Devil You Know, that was a terrible movie. I watch a lot of bad horror movies, thanks and for, this was one. Thanks for pouring me wine. Oh, my bad. Sorry. I'm terrible. I don't, when you cheers me, I don't drink it. I don't pour you on. I yell at you. You know I yell at you almost every single time. You did, so, you did it I early. Did it, and then I immediately. Early, early yeah. in this episode, I was going to call you out, yeah. too. Dude, I don't know what it is. Like, I, I'm such a gentleman and have the worst drinking D- etiquette. D- John I'm Gorman. Bad etiquette. The, the wine buyer for Cafe Monarch, actually. I was hanging out with him for a little bit at the trade show today. He's like, oh, no, it wasn't him. It was uh, Michael Cozy, who's the buyer for Vertu. And he goes, cheers. And neither of us had wine in my glass. I go, stop. We can't cheers without wine. And he goes, you've done that to me. And literally we walked up and we're like, we made him just pour us wine so we could look each other dead in the eye, cheers, and then took a sip. Yeah, I would have cheersed it and looked the other way probably just without like. <laughs> you're supposed to stare in the person's eye and you need to have wine in your glass and you need to drink it. <laughs> or <laughs> like, beer. Scott. Yeah, I know. You need to drink it. Know. That's part of it. If you cheers, you can't put your glass down. Like it's kind of. I don't know what it is, man. It's just like a dumb bad I'm trying, habit. I'm trying to train you. I'll break it. You can train me on that one. That's fine. I'm working I on get it. it. I'm getting trained by everybody. Like girlfriend, parent, whatever. <laughs> it's all life is, is training somebody to do something better. <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't believe a whole lot in good luck and bad luck, but to me, it's one of those just kind of like taboo things. Like if you cheer someone, you have to drink. You know what? That is a, it's a nice thing to do versus like, oh, well, break a mirror. Don't walk around a ladder. But like when you cheers, it's like, hey, I like you. Clink. That's why you're cheersing. Yeah. Like you're not cheersing just to hear the sound of the glasses. Like it's it's like you got to. Yeah. You, it's a cheers in America is, hey, good luck. Have a good day. I like you. I hope the best. It's a combination of just I hope the better for you. Yes. But and you're right. You, it's rude as shit not for me to drink it every time. Yes. It's it's one of those things that I call people out all the time on. Ooh, that's got a nice nose. You just sound a little sexual on that one. It's kind of like, ooh, nice. hey. You know what? I'm mm. feeling a bit moist now. Hey. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> that was Cabernet Conversations number two, I think. One of the most cringe words. Six, six people just cringed. Yes. Wow, that's great. Soft. It's a li- it is. It's got a little struck match, a little sulfur characteristic to it. A little bit. I get that. But the one thing about this one like is Cap Gun. This is I'm gonna. Is this our introductory? You, when you were young, did you it's have thirty? Every one of their wines are thirty bucks. Did you have the old school Cap Guns when you were yeah, a kid? Little, with yeah, the, with the, the red the red thing that yes. you put in. That's got a little characteristic of the burn caps. Ah, uh, interesting. Or the what were the things you throw on the ground? They poppers. Yeah, the, poppers. Or what are they? They were I forgot. What Snappers. They were. Snappers. Pop, yeah. Yeah. You, the best was you'd hide them under the toilet lid. 
And so never somebody sat that. down on a toilet and they'd all pop at once. All right. <laughs> you never did that? Nope. <laughs> yeah, we did that a few times. Yeah, we used to take them and hide them under the toilet seats. My grandparents hated me. It's, it's not so much on it, the... It makes sense probably why I was never given anything in their will. It's not so much on the palate or on the nose. It's on the palate I get that struck match, that um, burned gunpowder. Is, yeah. is what it is. It's not. I, I, I always say flint, like musket flint, yeah, when it same hits. Thing. But it's not. It's, but it's not the sulfur characters, which are sometimes it's not sulfur. It's gunpowder. Gun yes, gunpowder gun gun is different than sulfur. Yeah. Sulfur burns my nose. Gunpowder is a distinct and, smell, and it also has a real strong uh, pencil lead characteristic. Okay, so here you go: fifty three percent cab, forty two percent merlot, five petite for dough, thirty dollars a bottle. Yeah, I mean, honestly, the pricing on these are fantastic. It's, un it's unbelievable. And I think more people need to gravitate towards Washington. Actually, there's another reason why I've tried to sell California wines in Washington, and they said, go fuck yourself, basically. That sounds about right, which is unfortunate. But they were like, first of all, if we need... So Washington and Oregon, are, they, they're very tight-knit. So you try and sell Pinot up there, and they're like, no, we get it from Oregon. We've got it. We get it from Oregon. Yeah. And if you try and sell Cab, you're like, we grow Cab. And it's the same thing in Oregon. If you try and sell them Cab, you're like, no, we get it from Washington. Why would I get it from that? I get it from Washington. Like yeah. it's, they're like cousins up there with wine. Like we grow the Pinot, they grow the Cab, and and we just and, do it with and each other. Fuck California. And California is the redheaded stepson, even though they're the famous redhead. They're the Carson yeah. Wentz of the family. I was thinking more like they're like the the famous older sister that's like a movie star. They're like, no, 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 we're way too cool <laughs> yeah, for them. Fuck them. Yeah. yeah, they've already been doing it for so long. I get it. I mean, you got to stand up to California at some point. You got to support yourself, like own projects too. And I understand why. Around the country, you can't, but in Cal California, is a beast. I mean, they produce almost all the wine in America, which co commercially. I do wonder, I mean, if we could take a time machine right now and jump 60 years into the future, what the wine scene across America will look like. Is it still California, just no. outstretched, dominating? Or do you think Texas stands up and only sells Texas wines, Montana, Idaho, Washington, Oregon? Or is it just this is a good topic. everybody holds things in? I believe Arizona, and again, coming from an industry insider, I think we're kind of screwed a little bit. And it sucks in Arizona only because, A, nobody knows about the wines while they're building it, but we're all, everybody from Arizona is a transplant from the Midwest or California. And so everybody coming from California is going to drink the California stuff. And everybody coming from Chicago and Minnesota and Indiana and that whole north is going to drink all the, the large brands, the Rombauers, the Silver Oaks, the Mondavis, because that's all they have up there. And so the Arizona people, I believe Arizonans, myself, I support it as much as like, whenever we have a good one, Caduceus had a great one, that 2012 we had, it's awesome. I just, I, I would love for it to do well, I just don't see it. We don't have that culture of Oregon and Washington where it's here, this is it, fuck you California, we're not drinking more stuff. But we'll support Washington because we don't make cab and they're our neighbors, they drink Carpino. We are very, very lucky in Arizona is that we get a lot of the wines out of California, Washington, Oregon that don't make it to the rest of the country. We just sat down with Jax, and we asked him. We had this conversation, yeah. and I said, what states are you in? He goes, I don't, make enough, I don't make enough wine to put in other states, and it's not worth my money because it cost me $500 to get registered in another state. So for them to sell 10 cases in Tennessee or Georgia or this state, it's not worth it. He goes, I'm in, we say, like 12 states. Yeah, his state less his big ones Flor were Florida, oh, New I thought York. It was worth. I thought for sure it was Florida, New York, and Illinois. Arizona. Just for Chicago. And Arizona. Uh, California. Like he was only in a handful of states yeah. because he knew that that's where his bread is buttered. Well, the nice thing is, is California will always have a home in Arizona for tourism and their old family. So everybody can kind of kind of pass through because we're neighbors. 
and shipping. The it guys who hide amongst the California people can be culty in Arizona. It's easy to build the brands in Arizona because so many people take trips to Napa on a regular basis, or Sonoma on a regular basis. You, it's a $100 you, flight. You visit the wineries, you become accustomed yeah. with them. Somebody in the Midwest or on the East Coast visits California maybe once uh, every couple of years, or maybe they just don't even make it out there. So they're not familiar with what goes on. But vice, but vice versa on that, we don't get the great, uh, excuse me, the great French imports, I believe. I don't believe we're like the East Coast where we catch the Spanish, Correct. the French, and the Italian things because we're just too N- far. New York is insane with the I- imports. Yeah. Because also a lot of the importers own their own distributors, and then they sell the wines for cheaper. And what happens out here is but by the time they ship it, you put on a refrigerated truck across America and pay all the taxes, the wine now goes up by 2 or $3 a bottle. You can't and, ship and, a boat to Arizona and California without exactly. going across the entire South American and, and, continent or through the Panama Canal. And, and some price-conscious consumers might jump online and say, wait a minute, this wine is $9.99 in, Ari- in New York. Why are you charging me $17.99 in Arizona? And it's hard to always explain to every single consumer you come across. We went through the Panama Canal. It had a dock in Los Angeles. The tax that it, by the way, that boat went 6,000 miles farther. When's the last time you drove from New York to Arizona? And how much money did you spend on gas, hotels, checkpoints? Uh, I don't know if you ever driven across like through Boston and Pennsylvania. But I drove through Texas. That was enough to discover but, how far this country is. But paying uh, tolls on the East Coast. Oh, yeah. Forget about toll roads. It's To drive across Pennsylvania alone, it's going to cost you $35 or $40 on a car, not to mention a truck's going to pay a lot more once you have your 18-wheeler. Yep. Like That's why they're like, oh, uh, this many axles, you have to go in that lane. Yeah, and if you are lucky enough, let's say you ship from Italy to Houston, so you go to Galveston, you Does, still have to go below doesn't Florida. Happen. Doesn't yeah. happen. It's, Does it, it's, it's not worth it? You land in New York. So you land, now you're on a train, and that train has to go the entire way across. You don't train it, you truck it. You truck it, just better to it's truck. It's all trucked. So, yeah. In a refrigerated truck. Yeah. It's just, yeah. So, it's, so, so basically you're shipping a giant refrigerator. Yeah. We are lucky here in Arizona the mid, I'd say the mid east of America, the the whole Central America, the Midwest, the Texases, the Oklahomas, the Minnesotas, kind of get screwed the most because they knew they don't get the imports as much, and they don't get the West Coast as much. If I was a small winery in Sonoma, it's probably in cheaper Paso. to ship to Japan than it is to New York. And once again, if you're a small winery. It's not worth your time to try and ship cases to Georgia. It's not worth your time to ship cases to Tennessee or Alabama. Like it's because you're paying to get registered. You got to pay to ship it there. The wine's going to go up. So if you're a Napa Valley winery, what do you want to do? Wine club. Yeah. Direct to consumer, DTC. Yeah, just put it in a box and ship it UPS. Because to sign up for a distributor and then pay me, because you know what? I'm not cheap. No. And you want to pay the salesman? I'm going to get paid. So that's a whole nother thing, like tier. So by the time your wine leaves from California to get to Georgia, you're now paid the truckers, the tolls, the gas, the refrigeration, the salesmen, the registering, the licensing fee, distribution company, and a winery is like nut. And, and so a winery that they sell their wine for twenty dollars the winery now it's thirty dollars in Tennessee, and. The consumer's going, well, I just Googled this, and it's $20 at the winery. Why would I pay 30 And for it to get to that $20 pricing from a distribution, the winery would have had to drop their price drastically to get that money. They don't like to drop their pants. Nope. I've, well. tr- I've tried. <laughs> <laughs> what, uh, what do you think? <laughs> Excellent. I got, a little dev- I got a little devil in me. This is, yeah, you are the devil I know. So 
honestly, for me, before we get to the bully, if I was to give a final thought on these three, price point versus quality is through the roof. I, if I was to have a chart, like a, a graph, like math and whatnot, because you know I'm an analytical person, yeah. the, the price point versus the quality surpasses much of the wines that are made in the nation. I would think that all these wines produced, if these wines were even produced in Arizona, they would be twice, oh. they'd be twice the price. Yeah. Made 90 miles north of here. They, they could actually, I don't think they could produce a wine with this depth of character it in is, Arizona. It is for having a good amount of oak on it that's there. It surprisingly has all the grape characteristics that you want out of a cab for those two, especially the Red, the Red Mountain is 100% Napa Valley style cab without a massive aggressive tenon and half the price. And also, Not even half the price, like literally two thirds less but, than the price. But another thing we see here a lot in Arizona is I'm very susceptible to tasting stuff that has tannin powder. Uh, like artificial acids. Yep. When people acidify wines, right now it's it's a hard, it's a problem in Arizona. Is everyone's acidifying wines because we're lacking acid, and it rips my palate apart. So when I try, I do the AVA tasting, and I try fifty wines. I know artificial acid. So for you, because I've artificially done acid in some of my wines to catch up to it. I'm it. I am ashamed, but I will do it. I get it here in my cheeks. Like, my cheeks get dry as shit. It gets I've, rough right here. Where fake oak, I get in the back of my mouth. Like, I can feel the oak coating the backside and, versus the grape tannins, you know, like and, all and, here. And also, when we say fake oak, it's going to be either, like, tannin powder, tannin powder oak or, chips. or I, yeah, exactly. Uh, Not oak barrels. No, when you're using staves, chips, uh Hampshire bedding, as I always call it. When you, yeah. When you're throwing stuff, yeah. when you're not aging it truly in an oak barrel, and you're making a wine taste oaky through other methods, that is what sometimes gives you headaches. That's one of the reasons we we're talking about the sulfite episode. Is a lot of people say, "Oh, I get, I drink these Argentinian wines, and I get freaking horrible headaches." Well, it was probably aged with staves or was it six dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, four of it was shipping, and two of it was making that wine. So when I taste these, I do not taste. Fake oak, and I do not get any fake acids. I I need to learn the how to detect fake acids better. I will say that on that, the, even the oak tannin is light, and I know it goes into a lot of. I think it, I think it's, it's pretty heavy, to be honest. But that's I, that's, that's flavor wise, definitely. I will definitely say it's there. So I mean, looking at the thing, it's forty percent new French oak on you know um, eighteen months in French oak, 70, eighteen months in French oak. 18 months of new American for the Grenache, which actually was prevalent because I could taste vanilla I, I, on that I, one. I get a, a bit of American, and I get a lot of like new oak on it. Did you, did you taste the chocolate? Because I tasted chocolate yes. and coffee on a few of them, which yes. I thought was prevalent. So this one will be intriguing. I'm intrigued to see how you think of this one. I tried this twice at the show, and I had the same opinion both times. So this is, by the way, this is the Bully. This is their Red Mountain Cabernet. And I remember I poured some of this. This was fucking... So, at the show, I said the wine needed to open up, that the front palate was amazing, the mid palate was mediocre, and the end palate died off. Interesting. And I got nothing but aggressive oak on the finish. Okay, I'm intrigued to see if I have that same thing. Now, this now. was, this was you know, sometimes when you're trying these things at a tasting, the bottles were just opened, it wasn't decanted, it was... You're right, by the way, that's gloss, because all the wine just wiped right yeah. off. <laughs> it... To me, the wine was lacking a lot of nuances on the finish, but up front, it was stunning. So for me, we've talked about this. Every wine has a beginning, a middle, and a finish. 
beginning is the first flavors you get. The middle is kind of the, the sprint. And then how you finish the race is the, is the end. The finish on this, to me, was chalky. And that was Ooh, when, when I was okay. talking to John Gorman, that was my exact words were, it's chalky. And he goes, oh, my God, you're so right. So it's 15. Now, for certain wines, that could be super young, which could be why it's chalky. But uh, we'll see how this kind of goes. As I was also, what, what I had told the sales rep was that the bottle had pro- might have just been opened, and this is a wine that might need some time. Which does happen. There's a, it's unfortunate I thing about like those a, shows. Totally. I felt like it was still a closed fist in a way. It was a person with a beautiful personality that was still being a little shy. Had a little bipolarism to him. Just, it was being a little, like I said, shy. It was being a little coy. Which, what is coy? I've heard that now three times today. What really? is a good way to describe coy? Because I think of that's a fish. <laughs> I fucking knew you were going to say that. <laughs> cheers, fucker. Uh, cheers. Um, Demure. Um, <laughs> what is Demure? God, I got to work with you on your English. <laughs> no, I, I know these words-ish, but try, it's like trying to describe blue. <laughs> like, there's terms for coy. There's terms for Demure. That pretentious. I, no, no, no. I think of this, I know a secret that you don't know, and you're trying to get it out of me, and I'm... But you're not, and I'm trying, and, and you could tell you could get it out of me. But I'm trying to like, so like you I'm, trying, say I'm trying to be full uh, or teasing or yes, I think that's a good way to put it. Coy. It's funny because you keep saying, like, yeah, like you could say this wine is teasy, it's coy, it's pretentious, it's blah, blah. and you just like it's people got, in the end be like, what are you talking about? It's got a great personality. It's just being shy to me. That's okay. right. and, and, it's the girl. And, but, it's the girl who's but, super but, pretty who teases everybody. And but it's kind of hanging around. Shy and coy are different because coy knows something that shy doesn't. Uh, Does that make sense? All right. All right, no, but sure. <laughs> That's I know a secret, but <laughs> there, yeah. I'm not gonna tell you. I'm not gonna tell you. No, I, I get the nose is a lot. It's potent and it's clunky. The alcohol hits the back of my nose hard, but the flavor profile of the nose is really potent in a good way. It's very distinct. Like I get some fantastic floral notes on it. I get a lot of good oak on it. Good oak, and I and, think there's a huge difference between having like like a lot of vanilla oak or olive oak or bad coffee, like burnt coffee versus this is like baking spices. I feel like there's a lot of new oak in this. A lot of, a lot of new oak. And a lot of not just new oak, but heavy toasted oak. Yes. Which would give off the baking spices. So to me, you get that charred oak characteristic on this pretty heavy late palate. I think that this wine, once again, would appeal to a Napa Valley wine drinker amazing if, if yes. somebody came into my wine bar and said i want the biggest wine you have you give them this they're gonna do backflips and maybe that's the point because they have like 20 I, I looking at the thing i didn't count but it, they probably have like 12 15 wines and if this is what it says this might be accurate the bully it's big it's aggressive it's hitting your nose it's i haven't even tasted it and it's hitting my nose but, hard but this is also the difference between somebody having your love of wine, my wine, love of wines, her love of wines, his love of wines, we're all different. We all taste different things. Yeah. Some of us, cilantro tastes like soap. Some of us, it tastes like cilantro. Deliciousness. Yeah. It's yeah. all, we're all different. And some people it, eat a sp- That's why I say my rule of that wine. That was a good one. That my, was a good thunderbolt right there. My rule of wine, don't believe me, believe in yourself. True. This, you know who would love this? My dad would Without sip this and go, fuck yes. yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what I was thinking too. Happy as shit. My you're, dad you're, has you're, good palate, but he's got a very specific category of you're, palate. Your big Zin drinker, your yes. big uh, Napa Valley drinker would eat, eat this up. If this was I, Napa Valley, what do you think the price would be? 
Have you tried it even? Honestly, I'm gonna try it. I would say also a little higher because it's bigger, but I would say something around the eighty dollars or so. I would think fifty bucks. Yeah, I would think. Oh wait, hold on. I would think like in the eighty range based on how big it is. Uh, see, there is, but it's it's yeah. chalky in the end to me. Yeah, I. So it's funny you say chalk because you're right. Because my I say my chalk, your chalk is my sand dust. That gr- grainy, grainy. Grainy, it, dude, it is totally. all that. Oh, yeah. My mouth is dry. But I'm not getting the crazy oak on the back. I can't get it now, off the nose. But you know me. I love European wines. I love softer wines. These aren't necessarily my style, but these wines would crush it Yeah, with a California lover. Someone who yes. loves Paso Zins. Someone who loves Napa Cabs. Somebody yes. who loves even... Sonomas tend to be a little softer. Softer. But like this Carnero is full side. body, dude. And the nice thing is, is where I kind of got the alcohol on this one, the alcohol is hidden on this one for sure because the body's bigger, the flavor profile is more, but the tannins are way harsher on this one. And not harsh on like it's a just, holy, but it's definitely like I can still taste it. It's just grippy. Yeah. Yeah. This is, well, I would be actually right interested. This is probably, this is probably more ageable than that one. But honestly, after doing all of the episodes we've done with the old wines, who the shit knows? But it also has the right name. You got to remember. The bully. It's it's not like like Mr. Happy like it's yeah. called a bully. It's the yes, it's not satin pillows. <laughs> it's the bully exactly. Yeah, <laughs> can we come up with more wine names tonight? Satin pillows, I like it. <laughs> God, I hate you sometimes. <laughs> That's the name of a wine. They have the devil, you know. And God, I hate you. <laughs> That'd be a great wine name. God, I hate you. And God, I love you. <laughs> well, it's funny because I went to an event the other about a week ago and i was trying all wines called the omen oh yeah and i was like oh my god yeah, it's me fuck damien trying the omen wines <laughs> if i can't sell these you should have walked in with like a rosemary's baby's basket <laughs> i'm gonna wear like uh, a little sh- child short thing yeah i'm gonna wear a, a suit but with like black shorts and like a short jacket mm-hmm. and like a little tie and my hair slicked over yeah i'm gonna freak some people out selling the omen one of these days oh man that is We've talked about big wines, and sometimes I think you and I are now almost reluctant to use the word big. By the way, this is $50, I think I was telling you. Yeah. If that was Napa, be $100. Yeah. That would be, that would be, no, they would barely sell it at the winery. That would be the reserve they give wine club members. Yeah. I think actually this is a perfect lineup for what the way the thing goes is, I think the lineup should have been this. I'm going to redo this. Yes, yes. There. That should have been the lineup. Black, white, red, and then the bully. I would say whoever's making their wines. I would do that. You would do that? Okay. Yeah, because then, yeah, you go to the big Renault, or Syrah, excuse me. Yeah. Gorman is making some fantastic wines. I think these are on our level. And it, you know what I feel bad for? And I actually do genuinely feel a little, like, kind of bad about it, because we are comparing it to Napa, and it's Washington. It's their own thing. But you, unfortunately, the precedent is set. It's Napa. Napa has to compare themselves to Bordeaux. You have to compare everything to something else. Yes. You can't. Everything you look at, every wine you review is a comparison to some other wine you've had. There's very few things that you can say, we're our own freak of nature. Arizona's kind of getting away with that a little bit. Every movie you've seen. Oregon can't get away from it because they have to compare themselves to Burgundy. Every comedy you've ever seen, you compare it to the funniest comedy. Every movie you see, every great science fiction movie, you're like, this compares to this this way. But every once in a blue moon, something comes out and you're like, I have nothing to compare it to. Inception. 
Oh yeah, perfect. Uh, what do you compare an Inception? Because it was so different. Or, I don't know why that just popped in my head. No, all of a sudden, no, but that's but a, actually a very good example. It, there's no genre that, yeah. that's so unique. Like you can take Interstellar and be like, oh, it's crazy, but you can be like, well, it's 2001: Space still, Odyssey. It's still a science it's fiction. Still movie. a science fiction. Yeah, you know, you have science fiction, fantasy, comedy. That, but every now and again, a movie that's every, so yeah, there are some things out there that you uniquely can go different, super different. And honestly, these to me, I sit here and I can say, listen, if I was comparing this to Napa. I think the Red Mountain, the what is this old scratch Red Mountain one for thirty dollars blows fifty dollar Napa wines out of the water. I would drink that over most uh, thirty dollar bottles of Napa. You gotta admit we haven't done a lot of well, we haven't done any really single vineyard or single winery tastings. True, everything's well. We did we did uh, the Sojourn, but we've never posted it. But Bavcoco. True, yeah. But yeah, champagne's a little bit different. But but usually we just talk about regions, and yeah. we've done a lot of that, so it's really cool we'll to actually talk about... We'll do too, with James, probably. It's really cool to actually do one about a single winery and talk a little bit about it. We haven't done a Washington episode yet. No, this was a good one. I think this was a good conversation to have, because honestly, we'll get to Washington. There's, so, no, there's so many awesome. places we could do. I think people are nervous to even buy them, because they just don't know. They they just go to Napa, and they're like, I'm just buying Napa. And that's the thing. At least I think that most wine buyers can say, okay, I want Napa. And then if they don't get Napa, they get the California cab. Forgetting that Washington equally so, makes as powerful and as well done. And in what I'm guessing and from kind of seeing, they actually are cheaper and better. And this is one of them. This this Gorman winery I, is fantastic. I feel like with a wine shop, we need to do something outside the box with our organization skills. That we, it, we Is that Easter egg number two? If you're going to do this, we almost need to have a Napa alternative section. I like it. We can call it alt nap or something like that, or not like. Got to be alt- careful with that alt phrasing. <laughs> or a um, not Napa section, or I, or big wines or something along those. Lines. Something that's different because if you put these in a Cabernet section, they sometimes might get lost amongst other Cabernets because mentally people think of Cabernet as California, and these end up being slower movers sometimes because of it. So maybe you come up with another section that you can put these in where they'll sell very, very well. That's the, the, the alternative big. So the big and tall how section. About, this is definitely outside of the box and not probably realistic, but it's like, and we could talk about the Pandora drinker thing that we're talking about where they blind taste everybody and go from there. What if you just took a section and you put Cabernet and big, bold, tannic, and the next thing is big, bold, not tannic, and then medium, light, whatever, and it's just, it's blanked out. And you put pricing, and you just grab it and go. What if we just make a big and tall section? Big and tall. Yeah. Because people understand that when they go to yeah. a clothing store. It's been around forever. You understand that yeah, you have a, your big and tall section. I, I, I think one thing that would definitely be great is, or obviously, people have things they want to stick to and buy, which is, not, you're the consumer. It's your thing to buy. Like, do that. But there should be a full-on a brown bag, black bag, whatever, black bag section. And all it says is Cabernet. Within this section is Napa, Washington, France, and this. And then from top to bottom, it's big, bold, super tannic, big, bold, light tan, and light, easy, heavy, mixed. And then, oh, well, I like cab, but I don't want Napa cab. Well, I guess I'm going to take a shot at this end of the thing. And just one, I, just a couple little things, because the difference between Cabernet from Bordeaux to Italy to Argentina to Napa to Washington I would, I would love to all over the place. I would love to organize a shop completely different than everybody else in the world. I think it'd be really fun to do something different. Yeah, I've only seen one place ever do it. It was in Brooklyn, and they organize it by song and music preference. And every single tasting note, every single wine had a song paired with it. 
So you had your smooth jazz section, you had your heavy metal section, you had your hard rock section, you had your classic rock section, and you kind of got the idea of what they were doing. But then when you went up there and you read the wine, it said a little something about the wine and it had a song pairing with it. I thought it was very ingenious. It was actually, the shop was freaking packed in Brooklyn. It was a small shop though. I thought that was a great idea, but I love the idea of organizing a shop instead of Cabernet, Merlot, Chile, France, this, that, and the other thing. Organizing it, something a little more... Be a little tough. Modern. No. That you don't think? I don't think so. Yeah. I think if you, if you, if, if you do it... But here's... Because listen, I love the idea of it, but I think the overall thing isn't the same thing because what you hear and what you taste isn't the same. Like your palate isn't the same as what you hear. It's cool. It's gimmicky. The, the there is one sense is, to the, it. The rock one is tough, but I think you and I understand what a big wine is. Well, we can sit... I know what country is and I could tell you what rap is and I could probably tell you what jazz is. Like to me, country is, well, mostly whiskey probably, but rap is like... Big fucking bowl, jammy, over the top, ridiculous, huge smell. Lodi Zin is rap versus, you know, uh, jazz is French but burgundy. Instead of organizing a section by Cabernet, Merlot, France, and Italy, organizing it maybe by flavor profile in a way or organizing it by something that's just a little different, I think. I think there's a way to do this if we just kind of think about it. But then it gets confusing because like a good example was today and it was my only as small little complaint I had today is she put things in alphabetical order versus by the tables and a couple people actually kind of got a little confused because it wasn't what they were expecting. Now, granted, I think is nothing better than flipping the industry on its head and, and changing things. But at the same time, you know, if you're going to do that, you better be at a, at a crazy level to change the game that you can get away with changing everything versus, well, I'm just trying to be weird to be weird. Because people who try to be different and actively act different and get weird usually don't do well versus people who full on come on going, we changed the game. Listen, it's us. It's our thing, whatever. And then people just adapt and go, well, we love that. But if you try to be the outlier and you try to be the weird person, you try to promote that you're the weird guy and the weird crazy girl with the hair and the guy with the pierce, people are like, well, you're fucking weird and we don't care. Yeah, so there's, 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 there's gotta a be level a, of things you could do. There's got to be like a hybrid, a way we can do it. And we've talked about I think you had some good pairings, ideas, which we shouldn't say. Some we'll, other things we'll do and, it. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, there's... Yeah, we'll talk more about this, and we'll drop more Easter eggs along the way, too. I think we did twice. So, dude, honestly, for Gorman, you guys did a fantastic wine. Um, I really like you guys. I think what you guys are doing are amazing. Uh, these are delicious. The Syrah was probably my least favorite, and not in a way I didn't like it. I just, it was big. I personally like cooler climate Syrah. I like that minty menthol. This was bacony and real fruity. Dude, this was a great blend of Cab Merlot. The Red Mountain uh, for $30. Holy crap. Napa Cab style wine. And the Bully was definitely... That was a lot. That's I feel this has to be aged before I could truly give it a real opinion on it. Because right out of the gate, this was a lot to handle. And the beer is fantastic, too. Oh, fuck. I can't forget about the beer. Utah beer. So my, my take on it, the wines are all great. Value, price point, awesome. Oh, the prices are amazing. I don't think your father would kick a single one of these out of his bed. He he would be so happy with all these right now. Yeah. So we'll try these either tomorrow or the next day, and let's see how they make it. We got plenty in here. I agree. Cool, guys. Thanks a lot. I always love you watching and listening. Take care.